The nine were all about the gift. The one was about the giver. As they went, their leprosy disappeared. Nothing apart from the miraculous gift of grace that will bring healing and salvation to our heart. We have a place at the table. Today, we are wrapping up our series called The Jesus Way. Next week, we'll start an Advent series where we will look at, at Jesus as prophet, priest, and king. So we'll still be talking about Jesus. But today, we want to wrap up this, this series that we have been in for several weeks where we've been looking at particular snapshots throughout the Gospels that talk about Jesus as the way, but also the way that Jesus is on the way what he does and what he says and how he touches people, how he heals people, how he brings people out of places of darkness and bondage into the freedom of salvation. And so today we want to uh, keep going with that one more time, letting these stories in the gospels frame our own walk with Jesus. Eugene Peterson wrote, the way of Jesus is not only the roads he walked on, but the way he walked on those roads, the way he acted and felt and talked and gestured and prayed and healed and taught and died. It is the way of his resurrection. Peterson says, we live in a world where Christ is king. If Christ is king, everything quite literally Everything and everyone has to be reimagined, reconfigured, reoriented to a way of life that consists in an obedient following of Jesus. So today we want to talk about this thankful leper from Luke 17 who experienced the life-altering, life-changing presence of King Jesus and uh, did so in a worship-inducing way. Luke 17, 11 starts with this. Now, on the way to Jerusalem, in the middle section of the book of Luke follows Jesus on this road to Jerusalem. It starts in Luke 10, where Jesus sends the 70 to go ahead of him into every village he was about to go, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom with signs and wonders of the kingdom. And they came back rejoicing because they got to participate in this movement of discipleship. Discipleship is participating in Jesus's kingdom mission of making disciples. And so when they return, Jesus then teaches them the ways of the kingdom, about prayer and about trust and about generosity, and then with some stories about lost, the lost being found in Luke 15. And along the road, the disciples get to experience those parables in real time and in real ways as Jesus continues his mission to the poor and to the oppressed, and as we see him healing the sick and bringing sight to the blind, and 
hanging out with Samaritans who the Jews saw as social outcasts on the, the top five list of people not to hang out with. In fact, most of the people Jesus did hang out with were on, the, on that list, the poor and the sick, Zacchaeus, the tax collector, the unclean, the forgotten, the least of these, including 10 lepers. And as we have done in previous weeks, I would like to read through this passage a couple of times. It's short. So the first time through, I would invite us to listen with our imaginations. Engaging our imaginations, not glossing over the, the grotesque, grotesqueness and stench of the disease, the, the desperation and isolation of the lepers. Let's not miss the words spoken and the complete transformation that Jesus brings. Let's don't miss the, the contrast and reactions to Jesus' miracle. So can we listen with our heart? Can we listen with our senses and emotions? What is your visceral reaction to this story as we read through? It happened that as he made his way toward Jerusalem, he crossed over the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered the village, 10 men, all lepers, met him. They kept their distance, but raised their voices, calling out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Taking a good look at them, he said, go, show yourselves to the priest. And they went, and while still on their way, became clean. One of them, when he realized that he was healed, turned around and came back, shouting his gratitude, glorifying God. He kneeled at Jesus' feet, so grateful. He couldn't thank him enough. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus said, were not 10 healed? Where are the nine? Can none be found to come back and give glory to God except this outsider? And then he said to him, get up on your way. Your faith has healed and saved you. I'm gonna read it again in a different version. And I would ask us to think about it. What strikes you? What words stick out? What questions do you have? What do you notice about Jesus? What do you notice about the leper who returned? What do you notice about the nine who didn't? What do you think the disciples were thinking as they were observing all of this? Again, Luke 17, 11 through 19. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a vi village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. And they stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, go, show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all 10 cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. 
I want us to work back through the passage one more time, pressing into some dynamics happening in this story, which I think speak volumes into our own lives and circumstances as well. I want to focus on three, three particular things. The depth of isolation and the depth of restoration and the depth of adoration. Ralph, can you put those up? Just the depth of isolation, the depth of restoration, and the depth of adoration. Again, verse 11. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. And they stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. I want us to see the depth of isolation. Jesus is traveling on the border between Samaria and Galilee. Even that line speaks volumes about the way of Jesus. A few weeks ago, Shane and Aaron taught in John chapter 4, where Jesus, instead of going out of his way to avoid Samaria, takes his disciples right through the heart of Samaria in order to have a conversation with a Samaritan woman at the well. This woman had a train wreck of a life and became the first evangelist in the Gospels, telling her whole village about Jesus and what he had done for her life. Luke 9, Jesus sends disciples into Samaritan villages to prepare for his visit on the way to Jerusalem. Luke 10, Jesus tells the parable of the Good Samaritan, where the hero of the story is not the the religious Jewish elite, but the Samaritan. In Acts 1-8, some of Jesus' final words to his disciples post-resurrection, before he ascends to the Father, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria into the remotest part of the earth. So this was the border between Samaria and Galilee. The Samaritans and the Jews who normally hated each other found some community together because this community were lepers. They had to survive. They were desperate, and so they gathered together. You see, people with leprosy were forced to live away from town because they were ceremonially unclean, and leprosy was contagious. And so they would live with other lepers in quarantine, away from society. So their differences of being Jew and Samaritan took a back seat to their shared condition. Leprosy then might be a little bit different than leprosy now. It was a, a disease that, a label for a variety of diseases that all um, exist still in this part of the, in all over the world, I can't talk, but Jesus in his day, uh, in his day, Jesus healed leprosy. Um, leprosy was rampant and it was feared. It was contagious physically, but it also meant complete isolation religiously and socially. 
So to the Jews, leprosy was also the result of sin. And so it was a stigma of divine wrath, of divine punishment. So it wasn't just an illness. It was a death sentence. In fact, lepers were called the living dead. The disease robbed a person of their health, but also of occupation and family and social status and community and a chance to even worship. Leviticus chapter 13 gave some instructions for the lepers. Those who suffer from a serious skin disease must tear their clothing and leave their hair uncombed. They must cover their mouth and call out, unclean, unclean, as long as the serious disease lasts, they will be ceremonially unclean. They must live in isolation in their place outside the camp. Lepers were the epitome of outsiders. And by the time of Jesus, the Old Testament law had been expanded, so there was even more isolation the purpose was to protect the community from being contaminated. And so if a leper came into your house, you were unclean. If you leaned against a tree that a leper had leaned against, you had to go to the temple and be cleansed. To keep people away, they were to make themselves as repugnant as possible and to stay 50 paces away from everyone. They had to yell this verbal warning label of unclean, unclean. So these 10 lepers were a safe distance from Jesus shouting, Master. They knew who he was and they knew what he could do. They, sh- they shouted, Master, have pity, have compassion, not just sympathy, but true action to change our situation. They were begging for healing. They were begging for a miracle. Verse 14 says, when Jesus saw them, he said, go, show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed, which leads to this depth of restoration. Leprosy was incurable except for a miracle. And yet the Bible through Leviticus in the Old Testament gave very meticulous instructions about what you were to do if you were healed from leprosy, how to become ceremonially clean. You had to go show yourself to the priest. It was a rite of cleansing to show yourself to the priest and to get a certificate in writing and then to make a sacrifice and then to wait eight days and then offer three lambs as a final sacrifice and then you would be officially clean. The lepers knew what they had to do to become clean. They just had never met anybody that could actually cure them until Jesus. Jesus sent them to the priest. And it says, as they went, their leprosy disappeared. Jesus doesn't say a word about healing. He doesn't touch them. They had to respond in faith. They had to go into the city. They had to risk further humiliation, further rejection from their family, from their town. They were breaking the law unless 
unless they were actually healed. They had to be obedient. This was a step of faith. As they went, they were cured. Obedient faith is our participation in the miraculous work of God. Verse 15, one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back. Praising God in a loud voice, he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. And here we see this depth of adoration, this depth of gratitude and worship. It's such a cool picture. Once again, this leper calls out in a loud voice. It's the only tone that he knew. But this time, instead of words of unclean or master, would you heal us? Have pity. He is calling out in a loud voice his praises to God. His thanks. He throws himself at Jesus' feet and thanks him and worships him. Oh, and by the way, he was a Samaritan. In three different verses, you have three different Greek words for healing. In verse 15, it says, One of them, when he saw he was healed, the Greek word is iawamai, which is a medical term, it means to mend, it means to cure. In verse 17, Jesus said, He asked, We're not all ten cleansed. It's a different Greek word. This Greek word means to remove the impurities, it's katharizo, it means to uh, to be cleansed. It's what the, the religious leader, that's what the, the priest would look for at the temple. It had religious overtones. In verse 19, Jesus says to the very thankful man, rise and go, your faith has made you well. Again, a different Greek word. It's sozo. It's the word which means saved. It's one that the Greeks used to describe people who escaped dangerous situations. When Matthew begins his gospel with the Christmas story, the angel appears to Joseph and tells him to name the baby Jesus. Because the name meant that he would save people from their sins. He would sozo humanity. Paul used the same word in Romans 10. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be sozo. You will be saved. This leper's response to Jesus, to the healing, was to turn around and throw himself at the feet of Jesus to thank and worship him. He had been cured physically. But Jesus' response to the leper's adoration was to pronounce a complete healing. Sozo, a pure heart as well as clean skin. The point is, the other nine missed it. They missed the point. 
This is about the kind of life Jesus gives. Healing of leprosy was a means to that end in the same way that a conversation about water at a Samaritan well with a train wreck of a woman opened the way for her to receive the gift of living water so the miraculous healing of a leper's skin opened the way for the gift of salvation for the leper's soul. The nine were after the healing. The one was after the healer. The nine were all about the gift. The one was about the giver. The nine went home free of leprosy, but the one went home not only free from leprosy, but free from sin. The nine knew Jesus from 50 feet away. The one knew him up close. So in and through this story, we see a depth of isolation and restoration and adoration. Let me ask, where do you find yourself in this story? Where is our depth of isolation? Even though variations of leprosy are still rampant in various parts of the world, in this country, we have been rather removed from the physical, social, and relational devastation of that disease. But living in the midst of a pandemic, many of our community in quarantine, and we've heard several, have actually tested positive for COVID. With a a, a separate quarantine village here at Purdue, to try to control the numbers. Maybe we read this story today a little differently than we would have read it a year ago. Even so, when we talk about the depth of isolation and the depth of loneliness and the depth of separation, what is true of all of us is that the reality is we all need healing and cleansing and salvation from the leprosy of sin. There is no cure. There is no self-help, no religious act of piety, no being good enough, nothing apart from the miraculous gift of grace that will bring healing and salvation to our heart, to our soul. We used to sing this old hymn in the church where I grew up. I hear the Savior say, thy strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine all in all. Lord, now indeed I find thy power and thine alone can change the leper's spots and melt the heart of stone. And when before the throne I stand in him complete, Jesus died my soul to save, that my lips shall still repeat that Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. 
through his grace, we are brought into the family of God. We belong, brought out of isolation into his saving grace. We have a place at the table. Which leads to depth of restoration. How do you read this story in light of your story when it comes to the depth of restoration work that Jesus is doing in you? That Jesus has done in the world. I was thinking about another passage earlier in Luke where Jesus heals a single leper but actually touches him first. And if you touched a leper, we've already talked about this, you became ceremonially unclean, not to, put, not to mention you, you put yourself at risk of the contagion. And so instead of Jesus becoming unclean, though, the leper becomes healed. Uncleanness is no longer contagious. Holiness is. Here's how Mark records the story in his first chapter. Mark 1.40 says, A man with leprosy came to Jesus and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. That just means he was compassionate to the point where he was gut-wrenched. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. This audacious tenacity of the leper is matched by the audacious response of Jesus. Instead of running away in disgust, Jesus welcomes him. He touches him. I am willing, be clean. I've been reading a book by Richard Beck called Unclean. He says in writing about, in, in, well, in writing about this passage, passage, he says what is so interesting in this passage is the sequence. Jesus touches the leper first, and then the command to be clean is offered. Jesus intentionally and willfully seeks contamination, standing in solidarity with the unclean. In Jesus, we see a reversal, a positive contamination. Contact with Jesus cleanses rather than pollutes. Tim Keller wrote this, we think of miracles as the suspension of the natural order, but Jesus meant them to be the restoration of the natural order. God's original plan was no disease, no hunger or death. So this is not just proof he had power, but it's a preview of what he has in mind when the kingdom breaks in. It's not just a challenge, but it's a promise. It is coming. In this story of a leper's encounter with Jesus, the outsider becomes the insider. Instead of setting up fences of offense and disdain, Jesus touches the leper. Jesus removes the social, physical, spiritual boundaries. And for the first time in years, this man is able to hug his family to worship in the temple, to wear clean clothes, to have a job, to go to dinner with friends. He has his life back. But there is more to this snapshot that talks about a deeper restoration. 
In verse 43 of Mark 1, Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, the leper went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed, here's the word, outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. So just as in the other story, Jesus told the leper to go fulfill the Mosaic law, and he tells him to go to the priest, but not to tell anyone. And it's a strong warning. It's not, hey, let's just keep this between you and me. No, it's don't you dare say a word because Jesus is guarding his identity at, as Messiah at this point. This is Mark chapter one. In order to keep people from responding to him in a way that was misunderstood and false. You see, they wanted a king to overthrow the Romans, his kingdom was much bigger than that. The leper ignores that request and he tells everyone. The leper disobeys Jesus. He had become an insider, but through his disobedience, Jesus becomes an outsider. Jesus and the leper switch in the secluded places. And there's more. Remember the first line of our passage today in Luke 17 is, now on the way to Jerusalem. And all the way through the gospel, we see the shadow of the cross where the ultimate insider, Jesus, becomes the ultimate outsider and takes the weight of our sin in order to make us insiders, to reconcile us to the Father and to, to give us the gift of life. Jesus said in Matthew 9, who needs a doctor, the healthy or the sick? Go figure out what the scripture means. I'm after mercy, not religion. I'm here to invite outsiders, not to coddle insiders. Anything or anybody that was considered unclean or an outsider to God had to be kept away from the insiders, outside the camp. That's why this passage in Hebrews 13 is so powerful. It says the high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering, but the bodies are burned outside the camp. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate in, to make people holy through his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. If we're going to follow him, we can't be selective about the destination. Let's go to him outside the bubble of being insider status, the religious structure, to the outsiders with the good news that Jesus is the one that makes outsiders insiders because he took on the, in the outsider status. God's plan was 
whatever the ethnicity, whatever the social economic, um, economic standing, whatever the past, whatever the brokenness, whatever the bitterness, whatever form of spiritual leprosy has kept us separated from God and isolated from one another, he has bridged the gap. Isaiah 52 Jesus not only empathizes with our condition, he takes on our condition to save us. Just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being and his form marred beyond human likeness. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. By his wounds, we are healed. He will bear their iniquities. He poured out his life into death and was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many. First Peter 3 says, Christ suffered once for sin, sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. Romans 8 he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, will he not only, will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Second Corinthians, thanks to God for this indescribable gift. And once we realize the depth of grace and restoration, then it leads to finally a depth of adoration. It leads to worship. Psalm 116 what can I offer the Lord for all he has done for me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and praise the Lord's name for saving me. I will keep my promises to the Lord in the presence of his people. 1 Thessalonians 5, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, giving thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. In Hebrews 12, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. Before we wrap up, I just have three questions for us. We'll put those on the screen for us to, to think through, pray through as we find ourselves in this story. How might Jesus be speaking into the depths of your isolation in whatever form that isolation takes today with words of healing and restoration? Describe some of God's indescribable gifts to you. How have you experienced his goodness in compassionate love. What's our response to his good gifts? Do we love Jesus for what he does or for who he is? Let's return to him today. Let's fall at his feet in gratitude. Let's worship.